All right, here we go. Today's show is sponsored by Hems. Hems is helping guys be the best version of themselves with, with licensed medical providers and FDA approved products to help treat hair loss. Get your first visit absolutely free for at forhems.com slash bad Christian. Today's show is also sponsored by stamps.com. Head to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter our code bad Christian and get a four week trial plus free postage. And you get a digital scale. All right. Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. Things are going mm-hmm. pretty good in our world. We're just spending all the time making music and then popping on to podcast occasionally. And those th- worlds are getting pretty consolidated. We had a really good Are You Listening last night. And I can announce here that I'm Only a Man, Emery's record, is going to be available on vinyl. And it's a kind of extra special because not only... Is it going to be issued on vinyl for the first time? But we're going to control it. And one of the ways we're going to control it is we're updating the whole recording. So we're making new recordings in the same vein as the original recordings, but updated and better. And we're going to get to press that on vinyl. It's a pretty special event. We're doing it each, uh, we're doing a song a week. So we'll be done in about 11 weeks. We did the party song. Uh, this week, and we might share that and share the videos and stuff like that, but we're doing it right now on Are You Listening, which is our Sunday night streamo show. So Devin and Toby and I get on Sunday nights on Twitch, and we've been playing oh, yeah. around over there. Toby, you like Twitch, but you don't like Facebook. What is right. the difference? I, uh, Twitch seems more like an actual hangout. Mm-hmm. People are just chilling. Facebook feels still just uh, horrifically awful. It was, it's weird, isn't it? Because you can it make the it. same broadcast on two channels, and one yeah. of them is people talking to you and hanging out, and the other one's people saying stuff at you. I think you go to Twitch <laughs> to hang out, and I think you go to Facebook to be Talk on a platform, you, build a your platform, or yeah, or find yeah. Pe- find your cousin that doesn't agree with you politically, or so, you know what I mean, something like that. So. <laughs> But Whatever yeah. that is. Yeah, so that's what we're up to. Uh, basically, we're just doing a lot of productive stuff, and that's how we've handled the pandemic. And I think it's been great because, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there doing things, trying things differently, and, you know, just creating a little bit of a discipline to it. So we're producing music at a lot higher rate than usual, and it just feels good. It feels like an exercise or a practice or something like that. So, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, what, you know what else feels good? What? Having hair. Oh, really? <laughs> you have hair. Well, yeah. Well, well, let me tell you about this. You've heard, you guys have heard us talk about hymns a bunch, and uh, they are helping guys look their best. But I'm telling you, uh, 66%, per, 66% of men start to lose their hair by age 35, and once you started noticing that thinning hair, it can be too late. You don't want it to be too late. Trust me. Is that hairline slowly starting to move backwards? Any bald spots yet? Seriously, the best way to prevent more hair loss is to do something about it while you still can. And at Hems, I'm, I'm telling you, this is really cool. It's none of the snake oil pills or that stuff you see at gas station counters, those supplements, you know, they have that rack with all these weird pills, and you're like, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I shouldn't take any of those. Those, should, those aren't meant to go inside my body, I don't think. Uh, these are prescription solutions backed by science. Hems was created by a guy who knows some men's health conversations are easier online than in person. Ain't that the truth? No awkward in-person doctor's visits or long pharmacy lines. No more awkward anything. 
For hymns uh, connects you to licensed medical professionals online, which could save you hours, and com- it's completely confidential and discreet. All you got to do is answer a few quick questions. A medical professional will review it, and then they will determine if it's right for you, and they can prescribe you medication to treat hair loss that is shipped directly to your door. So check this out. Today, Hems is giving you their best offer yet. If you're not happy with your results after 90 days, Hems will give you a full refund, and right now, our listeners can get their first visit absolutely free. So go to 4 slash bad Christian. That's 4 slash bad Christian. Now, full refund of price paid available for the first 90 days supply. Refund requests must be made between 90 and 180 days after the product shipment delivered. Prescription products require an online consultation with medical professional who will determine if the prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, that's 4 slash bad Christian. All right. Thank you, Toby. I don't know what you've been up to, but me personally, I just spend most of my time lately fighting, you know, systemic government oppression and things like that. What do you mean? Well, I told you, I get a bunch of extra charges on my garbage bill and I'm fighting it. <laughs> I'm not going to let so it Matt, go. Matt, Matt texts me <laughs> and I, uh, on our text thread or whatever it says, I'm having a, a, my garbage man the waste disposal person uh is charging me extra he's mad at me for some things i did i get i don't understand he he's mad at you because you did something did you do something wrong i'm in a feud with the system okay a systemic <laughs> issue i don't blame necessarily so the, the, the garbage the, the man. system put pit you two against each other y'all yes. probably have a lot in common right yeah, but it's the system yeah, so we're in the middle of a of of something, but that it that uh, I am very serious about it. It's a to me it's, it's these it's these it's these matters of principle where I am not wrong, so I don't need to back down, and I'm right. not compelled to do something I believe is wrong to pay my garbage. What in the bill hell are we talking about though? Tell me what we're talking wrong, about, and I won't do it. I think it's uh, the category I want people to think in is like basically it's a optimized limited corruption is the term that I think it falls into. <laughs> So, and you're just talking about your trash. Yes, that needs, it's needs not, to be taken to the it's dump. It's not yeah. that trivial, though. It is not that trivial okay. at all. Um, the there's a certain amount of corruption in th- that. It's the, it's basically the maximum allowable con- corruption that can be gotten away with is the state of most things like building inspectors and all the government agencies that get bad. Right. They're not bad like actually super bad, but they're as bad as they possibly can be and get away with it. So, for right. instance, a parallel is police uh, policing, for-profit policing to get quotas to raise revenue, and then they do a bunch of bullshit for-profit, to the residents. So it's in that territory, but in garbage collection, there are similar forces at play. Now, this particular one, I've stopped paying my garbage bill, and I won't pay it. And I have a little bit extra uh, conviction and and confidence in my stance because they are not cutting off any services to anybody because of COVID. It says clearly on their voicemail. So they've been screwing me over and I have stopped paying. And now how have they screwed you over though? What has happened that has gotten so ugly we have that, an you investigation. Quit, that you decided they're sending an investigator to the house <laughs> <laughs> over at this point. Um oh, man. so the basically, Bridget can't like this, right? Bridget no, is like just pay it. No, she didn't want to pay. She's the one that got me to call she made me start calling oh, to wow. get the garbage charges taken off. But you know, because nice. she was mad. And so I said, Okay, Teamwork. I'm gonna handle it my way then. I'm gonna call them, but I'm not okay. Here. So they started they've been charging me extra fees on garbage collection repeatedly and almost increasingly and they're invalid they are bullshit 
it is not really a matter of opinion here. Right. Um, and so basically it all, it, I don't know the real reason for it, but it could be that I got into a little tussle with my garbage man <laughs> once. <laughs> so um, I... Poor fella. I was Good late Lord. getting the garbage out one day, and he did. And I flagged him and I said, "Hey, here I come!" And I brought the garbage out to the street. Yeah. And yeah. he looked at me and walked away and got his truck and drove around the corner. That got me a little hot. I had to right. admit. Yes. Um. So I was wearing flip flops. So I grabbed my whole garbage and he takes off around the corner, which is uphill and around the corner. Right. And I just yeah, yeah. dart. Serious I, hill. I just said, "No, no, I'm not keeping this trash another week." And I chased him up the hill to his next house, up and around the corner, very out of breath. And while he had gone to get the garbage can <laughs> from the neighbor's house, I placed my garbage can at the truck, like in the middle of the street. In front of the yeah. lifter, I didn't touch the truck or anything. And and then and when he got back, you know, I'm sure I had a serious look on. I said, I'm, I said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I was late. And then he took the trash, he looked at me and dumped it in. And then I went back. And ever oh, since, I've been my. getting extra charges on my garbage collection. <laughs> wow. And so, and every time, every it'll say extra bag charge, right? And like as if I had a bag that didn't fit in the container. Right, right. And it That's happens a lot. So. I'll call and get them taken off and complain and s- tell them about that. I don't know if it's because of this. I don't know if it's the same garbage. I don't really even know. But I'm just saying these charges, I'm not paying them. And they remove some. Then I call back and they remove some more. And then uh, they came on again. And I said, okay, well, I can't. I'm not going to pay anymore. I'm not paying the garbage bill anymore. And yeah. now they're sending an investigator. I said, keep telling them what happens. I said, I don't know what else to do. But I looked into it a little bit, and I can tell you how the, the system works. So I'm not just saying it isn't really about me and that guy. It turns okay. out that that guy is under some pressures by systemic incentives. So get this. Do you know how much? And this was like uh, several years ago, so I think it's probably higher now. But several years ago, you know how much money the Seattle – public garbage got in overage fees like the ones they put on my bill over three million dollars raised in overages in overages overages not in collection fees which of course are ridiculous and then you get into recycling i mean these are these are areas where it's a monopoly people are uncritical over it there are no other choices and nobody's going to raise hell like i am most people just pay it or not know or whatever but it happens a lot now the garbage collection is largely third-party private on government contracts. So, wow. so you think, well, that, then why is that? They're doing it. Now, turns out that the, they know that people overdo garbage, and the, if the company, the third party, wasn't going to charge overages if they didn't care, but the government yeah. forces them to care and does random inspections and says there should be at least X amount of overage charges. So if you're not charging enough overage charges, we're docking your pay. Or another way to say it, so they get penalized if they don't charge enough overages. Or another wow. way to say it is they it, the more overages they charge, the more money they make. But and the government sets those incentives for them. Whew. So that guy didn't that even really guy, have a choice. He has to give out a certain amount of them. So why not right. give them the, the, the me? Right. I mean, that's he has to. I mean, he has to give them out. Yeah, yeah. because they get seventy five thousand dollar penalties for not if they, if Rabanco, who does the garbage, doesn't charge enough people. And it's not good it's not a matter if they said, Well, look, everybody did good this quarter. Everybody was really good. There was not that many overages. Doesn't matter. Penalty. So they have yeah. to find the problems. And policing is the same way. So it's not yeah. different than that. It's not different than that. It's if I went to a councilman 
if it got enough press, if you went above their head, they wouldn't. They're you know they're not going to extort you and say pay me right. double, like uh, pay me out of your pocket. You know it's not corrupt to the level of Mexican cartel police stuff, but it's the maximum right. allowable corruption that can be gotten away with in this little compressed little situation. Right. So maybe it's not worth it. Maybe it is. I mean, yeah. That, but it's these wrong. Systems are yeah. These systems are just so set up to screw you. That, that I mean, that's what I always. For example, this sounds absurd. Or why is it so simple? Why in the world would there be a speed limit at seventy miles an hour, but every car goes ninety or a hundred miles? An hour? <laughs> it, it can't, right? Like if you really did care about the speed, and the system cares about the speed and the people, and that's why we're doing it for safety, then you would just make sure there's governors and there's a. $100,000 fine if you take the governor off. Everybody's car goes 70 miles an hour, right? And mm. and then it, then it would just be in, you know, maybe in a school zone where you're going too fast. Yeah, get get that ticket and stuff like that. But, I mean, the idea that that, that was set up this way, that I the agree system that you goes, don't hey, policing, tra- uh, enforcing traffic right. for the same reason. I mean, like, it's, right? The incentive's I mean, too perverse. That, that, that's one of the things that, that is so tough. I, I think it's tough uh, for everybody that, Cops are pulling people over for uh, a we- uh, license plate light that isn't on properly, or or you know what I mean? Like, what in the world are we That's doing? Just a here? shakedown, a, a bill, like it a legal just ability is. to shake it's, down Chino, and just, it's a setup to get somebody on something bigger. You do the little thing because they're not really breaking the it's any profit real driven law. even more it's, than in yes. that particular instance. It's often profit driven, right? More than you know, racism driven. But they, they go together. Right. Both are are factors there. But you know, they bother people that they think they can get money out of or find right. problems. I mean, their job is to find problems and they're incentivized to do so. So they have to go I, find I mean, problems. How about this? Just what, teachers what are, are teachers, same way, the system, it really incentivizes them to make sure you pass kids and you have to, and you have to pass them on the thing that the people say they have to pass as opposed to the teacher who is smart, intelligent, and can bring a lot of stuff, can, you know, it really educate your kid, but they can't. I mean, the the your waste disposal guy, he has to find people. Right. It's he not, has he's to. No different than or he will lose his career and his yeah, job. Right. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's the just... same as church. The pastor can't tell you the truth because you will fire him. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, so, that, I mean, it's, it's all the system. The, we're, that, we're shitting on people, and it's yeah, the system. That's why the system got to be fixed. Yeah, they're all necessary evils, though. So I believe it's okay to accept a necessary evil, thus the word necessary, but also it's evil. That's just the way I see the systems. They are evil, and we must accept them. But if you cannot get into the meta discussion about the incentives— and you just have to decide if he's bad or he's bad or I'm bad or you're right. bad, then we're not right. going to get anywhere. But that, that's the problem. The system gets to hide, and the person is, ends up being that's the That's right. It's like, well, who's bad? Right. Well, they do a lot of good. Well, he's good. Well, he's bad. Right. Not all co- I mean, it's just, that's all nonsense. I mean, if we, we had to t- be able to talk into the I mean, what, you know what you should do is when the investigator comes, you should say, do you make him, it, is this company fine? Is Urbanco or Urbanco, whatever, are they fined if they don't yeah. give out overages? And if so, you are forcing the the guy that comes to my door and <laughs> takes my trash away that I actually want to respect and like. You're forcing him to screw me over, and that and you're wanting me to pay for it. And we don't, and it's still going to cause a rift between us. Yeah, and then there's interpersonal I mean, conflict yeah. increasing. I know. Yeah. I take pictures of it's it a, all every week of this garbage and everything. It's a nut. It's a nightmare. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's the kind well, of situation uh, I get into more than other people. But I, I, it's a minor yeah. issue, but it's the same as the macro issues to me. I don't uh-huh. see it really as different. Well, there's always going to be conflict. We're getting ready to have uh, Buddy Nielsen on. Uh, 
from Census Fail, and I think he's the only member in Census Fail that's still. <laughs> like, so, so, and we know about that. We've lost some members along the way. So, uh, well, that'll be interesting to talk to him about that. But whenever you, I guess, whenever you make anything and people work together, there's going to be problems. But the bigger the corporation or the system, or whatever, the the little guy, I think, just gets hurt more and more. It, it just is true. Yeah, I mean, but I'm excited that things know. are open and there's more critical look at policing. I mean, I don't mean to trivialize that. It's That's the universal state of things. So it's kind of good that our collective consciousness is beginning to focus on this, yeah. on that kind of thing, so I do think that's a, a, actually a positive in the in the long run. Um, but some things are just optimized to be good, like stamps.com. Mm-hmm. Oh so, yeah, you know what I mean. Like for all our sakes, we need to avoid crowds in any way we can. Stamps.com, they've got that covered. But what if you think you need to go to the post office? What if you need postage to send out letters and packages? Well, you don't have to worry. Stamps.com already ahead of you. They're here to help. With Stamps.com, you can print postage on demand and skip those lines and crowds at the post office. Plus, you can actually save time and money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office. And if that wasn't enough, Stamps.com also now offers UPS services. So not just the postal system, UPS with discounts up to 62%. And my favorite part, you don't have to add on the US UPS residential surcharge. Awesome. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer and in the safety and comfort of your own home, office, or anywhere else you're hunkering down right now. Whether you're a small business, sending invoices and online seller shipping out products, or you're just working from home and need to mail stuff, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. And like I said, with Stamps.com, you can get great discounts too. Five cents off every first-class stamp and up to 62% off shipping rates. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, especially now, saving you time and money and keeping you safe in these crazy times. So right now, our listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. You just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Bad Christian. Go do it today. Okay, so we'll be doing some music talk and uh, personal growth and creativity talk. What's the agenda here for Buddy? Have fun. Oh, yeah. I like it. Well, Buddy Nielsen is the singer of Census Fail, who we've been around a lot but never spent any time talking to. But he's undergone a bunch of interesting things and <clears throat> personal transformation he's talked about on a lot of other shows and outlets. And we finally are going to get the chance to, uh, you know, see how he fits into our world and see how our minds mm-hmm. jive. Album yourself? Well, yeah. I was in the middle of a record, Census Fail record, which I've been working on for like a year. We were almost done. And uh, just kind of like the pandemic thing kind of put a halt on that, which I'm hopefully going to finish in August, but apparently it's getting worse again. I, I don't know. So we have that one that's almost done. But then in the meantime, I, you know, I have a ton of B-sides or I just had stuff that didn't work. And I was like, okay, I can, I can, you know, I could probably track this. And then I started really getting into it. I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty good. And uh, it's like, well, I won't, I won't just do another record. You know, and then we'll have um, just continuous content, mm-hmm. really, because that's the name of the game now. He's got to kind of like constantly have stuff. It's not so much like album, tour, album. It's kind of like album, tour, songs, 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 yeah. maybe another album. You know, you just kind of got to keep, which is, it's sort of fun in a way, but it was 
we not weird, but we just had to, you got to like transition from this focus of like, you're putting all your eggs in this basket yeah. of the record to, all right, we're just going to constantly be creative. And that mindset is way different than like turning it on and mm -hmm. going crazy and getting like really overly focused on things. Like, I don't want to say I'm like, I don't want to say I'm like just letting things be what they are and putting them out, but I will say I'm less like this is make or break because I'm like, yeah, yes. Yeah, so that's I think exactly that's a, how we feel. One hundred percent. I think that is. I think you've pretty much nailed it on that analysis. Because if you if you were given the choice, you know, and a vacuum, somebody said, "Do you want to have the style? You're you're going to be an artist. Do you want to have this type of thing where you want to be in a system where you do your art every eighteen months in this really focused way, and then do a bunch of promotional stuff, or do you want to always be doing the creative output?" You know, you know which one would create better art in the long run, but it's really scary to be in it. But to, my, to me, it reminds me of stand-up comedy. It's like you have to do yeah. something. You have to work it out. There has to be pressure on it. It has to refine itself, and you have to keep moving. And I think the music industry got into some old traditional cycle of touring an album that really kind of prevents, you know, low-stakes work from being done. So now, crank something out, like you said, and it doesn't have to be make or break everything. It's just what you did this week. And then you'll yeah. get better and better over time and it can evolve. So I'm I'm kind of thrilled that the pandemic's put us well, in that spot. I'll, well, I'll say this too. It's funny that y'all are saying that because I've been feeling the same way about my vocals. I, I felt like for the longest time, I, I felt like I was taught your take matters so much. But that's just one piece of the song. And I didn't think about it in the whole context of the song. Now I'm just thinking, oh, my, my vocal here, you know, used to it'd be, my vocal, I have to do it six times each line, and then it needs to, you know, be tuned and sound uh, this, this, and this. And now I think, wait a minute, I'm looking at it more in an artistic form, like you said, the whole piece of content, the whole song, the whole piece of art, whatever it might be, as opposed to my one little part here matters so much, it's not make or break because the whole song matters. So if if there's something isn't exactly perfect, maybe that's even better now. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, well, well, my, my judgment has changed. I think. Yeah. Yeah, so, buddy, y'all were working on Census Fail record that you didn't finish it? Is that the, what you're working with Bo yeah. on that, right? Yeah, with Bo. Um, yeah, so we were almost done, and then, uh, yeah, just kind of, like, shut it down, and now we're, we got to track drums. We've been tracking drums at the end of records now, because the whole recording process is, I don't know, just kind of changed a bunch, you know? Mm -hmm. So we used, you know, obviously, traditionally, you do drums in the beginning, and then, build it from there but we do program drums i build everything and we record it and then we put drums in at the end so we got to finish drums and a couple vocals but nothing too crazy so we're almost done with that but i mean it's not going to come out i don't know i don't really know i don't know when it's going to come out i don't i don't really think that i'm cool with releasing songs and music in this time but i don't know if i want to put out a full record mm -hmm. to me it's going to kind of potentially get lost you know um well we did last week yeah we put one out a couple <laughs> weeks know. ago <laughs> let me just know. evaporated let me know. into the wind you know no, just, just. <laughs> well ours did great I, the, the, well the opposite side of it is nobody everybody else is not putting stuff out so you actually you know so you actually get a little bit more play and scene i think a little bit but that, well, that's go ahead no i think we're in this time now too where it's like shifting where it's like it's so localized like 
I don't know where you guys live, but in LA is kind of been the same the entire time. I mean, now it's it's kind of kicking up a little, but like generally, people here have wearing masks and and, and following you know following the protocols and and you know we've kind of all agreed that this is a real thing that's really happening. And you know where my parents are from, New York, it's sort of waning because they locked down and had it so bad. So it's like, I guess if you're from one of these places, you can kind of lift your head up and pay attention to stuff. And if you're maybe from like, it seems like Houston now, like maybe you're sort of like inundated with just like, oh my gosh, this is actually happening here. So I don't, I don't even know. I mean, there, now the rest of the world is not allowing Americans in. Right. Yeah, it's going to be confusing. Can't... It's going to stay confusing is my, is my guess here. So. Yeah. So I don't think there's really, there is no, not, there's no wrong. There's no right. You know, if you want to put out a record. I mean, that's why I got two of them. Just yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> got a backup. Yeah, we got a backup. And then I think we'll start releasing music in the fall and then just tie that into what we're doing. We're not going to, we're not going to tour till next year. So mm-hmm. no matter what, y'all aren't touring till next year. You just decided. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't foresee how it could be done without being pretty irresponsible. Yeah you know, on the part of, you know, knowing the science of it and yeah. sort of just like, yeah, you can do it. I'm sure, you know, and some people would come and, you know, maybe you could get away with it. You could be lucky. And I think if you did something outside, you could probably, yeah, it had to be some alternative, but the mosh pit is not a thing to know. Yeah. There's no mosh inside pits. the club. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. going to happen. No. Yeah, we, yeah. We've talked about some outdoor stuff, potentially, you know, maybe later in the year or something. If, I mean, it, it, things change every day, so you don't know. It, it could be more horrific than you've ever imagined next week, or yeah. th- there's all of a sudden there's a cure. But even when there's a cure, or, or not a cure, but maybe a vaccine, yeah. How long till we get it? Jess and my wife and I were talking about that. Like, if they announced a vaccine today, when do I get it? Yeah, and also, <laughs> yeah, like, are you gonna be the first? I, I don't know if I'm gonna sign my kids and myself. Right, that's what my wife said. Like, <laughs> just rushed through vaccine, like. Right. That's like, like, I don't know about that. That seems to me a little like, I'm going to let some other people check it right. out. And then right. be like, <laughs> I think that'll be an right. issue for sure. For sure. Of course it's going to be an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we, we can't even really agree upon vaccinations of stuff that's been clinically proven to not be damaging, let right. alone one that like, we actually don't know. <laughs> we're not, we're going to be like, this is the fastest we've ever achieved clearance of a vaccine. So right. Like, we want, I want everybody to go ahead, but me and get it. <laughs> yeah, ahead. I yeah, want everybody yeah. else I know to get the vaccine. Go on ahead. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> y- y'all get herd immune real quick. I'm, I'm all for it. No, yeah. I'll, I'll probably get it, but you know what I mean. I, I, that's got to be most people's psychology. It's like, yeah, it's it's good if like seventy percent of people get it. Do I have to be one of them? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm hoping half half yeah. the country gets it, and I'll be the other half. And then I don't know. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. I wish there was a little bit more leadership, you know, on everyone's oh, sure. part to. Uh, to sort of, you know, make this cohesive because that that's, I think, the, probably the major thing we're lacking is just a cohesive sort of like what's even what's even real, what's not real, which we're not going to get an answer, you know, anytime this year until the election's over. Yeah. And even then it's going to be completely this whole thing has been so polarized. That, that's crazy. 
we're be- definitely short on leadership. That's been exposed, I think, in many, <laughs> many areas and many institutions. Yeah. I mean, that's the yeah. common thing. Oh, yeah. for this. If it comes down to Biden or Trump, do y'all think either way, no matter what the outcome, it will be contested, right? Like, no one's going to accept it at all, no matter what happens. Yeah, if Biden probably. wins, Trump will, yeah, right? They're already yeah. setting that up. I mean, it's already, like, been in the writing forever that no matter what happens— it's all going to be a lie. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be wild. It's going to be a lie. You're everybody's certain it will be a lie, no matter what the outcome is. Yeah, <laughs> that's one hundred percent. We all just going to deal with that. Well, let's okay. jump to some longer term topics on a different total time horizon and wavelength entirely. Census fail has been a ban for I'm going to guess getting close to fifteen or twenty years here now, uh, and there's been a lot of different story and change in that band, but even more specifically in you, uh, I've, I've been around you a good amount. We have been in the scene, but hadn't really spent a ton of time together. I think we did a whole warp tour together, uh, but mm-hmm. I don't recall hanging out even once there. Uh, that would probably been 2005. Was that 2005 or six? So. 2006 maybe? Yeah, we did four, five, six, Mm -hmm. nine, 12, 15, I think. So we have a lot of the same shared experiences and memories, but, uh, don't know each other that well, but I've noticed over the years and seen that, that you have been a person who has done a tremendous amount of personal change. And that's kind of a theme for us. And this podcast is being able to pivot as a person and grow and change and do stuff like that. So I think that a lot of people don't are, are probably aware of your band, but probably don't know that much about you and some of the change that you've undergone. So I don't know if you have that in like a story or a narrative or how it would apply here, but I'd kind of like to catch everybody up to just what's been going on with Buddy Nielsen over the past 15 years. <laughs> yeah, it's, been yeah a lot. Wow. it's been a lot, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, I don't know where to start. Um, uh, how about this? This is one one of the things when I was doing a little bit of research on you. Uh, one of the things that stuck out to me, we had Dustin Kentry on the show a few times. But one of the questions we asked him was, "You got famous like in your teens, and so what's a do you?" And he he didn't really have an answer. He didn't he didn't never thought about it. But it seems like you because you your band kind of started taking off when you what eighteen nineteen something like that maybe early twenties yeah and 19. and so from a very early age you were all of a sudden not just buddy but buddy from from census fail right and so that what do you think. Like you haven't almost most of your life now, or at least, you know, last 15, 20 years or whatever, you've basically been this guy from this, this thing that means something to people. And now it seems like some of that got you, right? Like it, what was it like living with that fame? And it, it seems like it, in lots of ways, it might've been pretty detrimental to you. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously I think I, I think anybody who's a singer in a band for the most part, trying to maybe fill some type of void you know uh, you know i don't and then that can be various different things but i mean i definitely think that what i was looking for from music and ultimately my you know you have to have a drive to do something i mean everybody's motivated by something and most people that are like successful for the most part have a flaw to them i mean there's i feel like very few people that are like really successful are really well put together people. I think maybe they form into them, but like initially what has to like push you to be successful, I think is this deep sort of need Mm -hmm. 
to be seen or validated or something. So I used to really disagree that. with that, but I think I, I think I'm starting to believe that. I mean, basically, I guess for me, I've had to understand some things of my of some traits of mine as oh that must be driven out of a need not a yeah. good quality of mine you know <laughs> well i don't think it's bad i'm not saying it's bad but like look at someone like elon musk like i mean like there's no way that he's just that he's motivated by some dark stuff <laughs> he has to be. there's no way that you become that great and that successful and like that powerful just motivated by Mm-hmm. you know like an internal like happiness like when yeah. i've been around like super spiritual people that like have nothing and are super super happy they're not motivated to go out and like create and like colonize mars is not right. yeah they're Their just thing. like yo i'm just gonna <laughs> sit by this tree and be <laughs> like i don't need anything else you know so that's where i've really kind of come to understand that Anyways, I definitely had that. So I do th- I do think that I was driven, my motivation, um, my motivation now is much different than it once was. I think I've, I've sewed up a lot of that like need to be validated, need to be seen, need to be heard, you know, um, that I'm now being creative and sort of motivated by my family, by maybe more altruistic reasons as well as, you know, obviously there's survival. But, you know, I'm going to eat. This is what I've done my whole life. Like, I did try to manage bands and I did work at Vagrant Records for a little bit and I worked in the music industry and that just didn't, wasn't my thing. You know, it's really hard to go from creative, musically creative and touring and and that to sort of the other side. And the hardest thing wasn't working with musicians. It was working with the other people. It was working with the managers and the labels. And it was just like, I don't know. It was a real bummer. I didn't really like having to have those people be my peers, but I guess I will start. I mean, really what happened is I started off, I kind of had a little bit of a weird childhood. I, uh, what it was, what it's called is like developmental trauma. I had some developmental trauma between the ages of like one and five, which if you know anything about developmental trauma, um, kind of sets up your nervous system for faulty wiring. I guess that's the best way to put it. So, um, you know, I uh, I just didn't get the things I needed when I was super young, and my parents ended up getting divorced and all that. You know, nothing crazy, but when you kind of have like um, parents who aren't able to show up in the way that you need during that time frame, it's super detrimental, and you sort of organize your existence around that reality. So, you know. Um, Growing out of that, I sort of obviously tried to fill this unfillable void. Um, so, you know, I did drugs and sex. And I also, and um, like, was closeted most of my life. I kind of identify as queer, which sort of is just like a catch-all term for someone who's just not straight. Um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, ultimately, I'm married to a woman. I have a kid. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not gay. Uh, but I, but I, you know, had I been, had I felt more comfortable, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. I mean, I, you know, I never really truly felt comfortable. So all the while that I'm like, you know, young and trying to fill this void and I'm also contending with that as well. So that sort of led like to a lot of self-hate, a lot of like self-loathing, which led to a lot of destructive behavior, drinking, sex, um, 
you know, luckily I never hurt myself and I don't think I really hurt anyone else too bad. I mean, I, I <clears throat> emotionally hurt myself, but like, I mean, physically or, you know, never really did anything too terrible. I wouldn't say it was a joy to be around. Uh, definitely kind of came off as pretty narcissistic and, um, I don't know, abrasive would be a good way. Was that with, how was that in the band context? Cause you're touring together, you're on a bus, you, all the dudes are sitting beside each other, sleeping beside each other. And that caused some tension there. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if it was my personality, but like my ability to perform was severely hampered by my mental state as well as like my, I, I never really used drugs, but I did drink a lot. Um, uh, it was more of like mixed between drinking and like my mental state just not being good. So there was like that rub and then my inability to sort of like handle any criticism. And yeah, I mean, there's, I'm the only original member. So clearly there's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I mean, but everybody, you know, you're in a band long enough, people move on. And like sure. it, you know, being sure. in a band really weeds out people that are like, I ultimately, my, what I love about being in a band is being creative. So if you're motivated by any other factor other than being creative musically, being in a band is going to, you know, that you're going to get weeded out at some point, you know, Definitely. like, you know, you're going to be like, well, money or time or family or whatever, you know, and that's not to say that anything's better than the other, but, um, so you, you know, you mix those things as well as like, you know, with the downturn of the music industry and, you know, I think, um, maybe you, personality wise, like, you know, people grow apart. Oh, totally. When you say inability to perform, you mean like on stage, like drinking got bad to hurt your stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I wasn't singing well. I, I wasn't performing well. And it was a total mess. I remember. Uh, but like, I mean, mentally too, like my anxiety, like when I went on Conan, and I forgot the words. Um, Like that was just because I was just like having massive amounts of panic attacks. Like I like dissociation. Like I just couldn't like, I couldn't right. function. So I mean like that, like. Like my mental state was absolutely hampering and hurting the band's ability to be successful. And that internally caused a lot of, you know, um, issues. So how about, you know, if you're saying in a space there where there's a void to fill and you wind up being the lead singer of a rock band and get a bunch of power that way, and then, of course, there's sex and drugs and yeah. alcohol and all of those things. At the time of getting into it, how would you have thought of all those things? Do you think that the rock star lifestyle was a part of it? Because you also say that being creative is the motivation yeah. for it. How, do those, how, how were those tangled in your mind at the time? How would you have articulated it? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I never really, I never really have thought of myself as like important. I think it might have actually had the odd. Like, I think I probably should have valued myself more, and that would have led me to like, meaning that like I'm not the one who suffered like lead singer syndrome. Like, I didn't, I didn't have that. Like, I've always loaded, and I've always pushed my gear or pushed our gear. I, I was a tour manager of the band. Like, I've managed the band. I, I, I my issues, I think, came from the the lack of seeing my worth, which then like I couldn't handle like criticism very early on. Like I couldn't take like online criticism, mm -hmm. you know, from kids or people or me, anything. Yeah, like, I feel you on that. Yeah. Uh, me now I I'm fine. Like now I think I've, I've like, 
I'm not really touched by that. Um, yeah. But I was, and I think a lot of that I had to, I didn't value myself. Like I felt, I think something that happens too with people who have like developmental trauma is you constantly feel like you're like fake in a way, it, it, you're an imposter. Like, because when you have these unmet um, needs that don't get seen as a child, you almost tend to feel like your existence in a way is somewhat meaningless. And um, you you kind of feel like an imposter. So you can have all the amount of the, Donald Trump's a perfect, really good example of this. Is he can have all the success in the world? I mean, he's you know a whatever so called millionaire and he's the president of the United States, but he still cares that what people think about the way he walks down a ramp or drinks water. Like, right. there's no extent to when he will fill. He has a giant, massive black hole void inside of him. Uh-huh. Um, and so did I, and no amount of success or anything is ever going to, that's why, you know, a lot of people with developmental trauma tend to, uh, you know, become addicts because they're constantly trying to fill this thing, but really it's unfillable and you have to sort of see this and accept that. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, that, that's like, I, I, I think my, I don't think that the rock star lifestyle got me. I don't think I ever really truly lived that. I think it was more like I would have had this happen had I just gone to school or done things. I, I These issues were there before and would have been affected by anything, you know, that I did in my life. Um, I think the music, though, helped me uh, discover it rather than having to just like wait till I broke down and had to like, you know, leave my family or, ha- you know, like traditionally people like have to do when they have these sort of like crises in their life. It just happened in my music and I just, I just died. I've just been documenting it uh, right. for the public to see, uh, which I guess is what makes it interesting. You know, the story that I well, have. And, indeed. You know. That's one of the, that's the problem. I don't, I don't know if I'm, if I'm coming to see as a problem or not, but I have a lot of curiosity around the topic of, like you said, and Toby said about online criticism early. Mm-hmm. So when I'm looking at society at this moment and kids and social media and adults and social media, everything, and everybody with a platform and everybody with the creative mm-hmm. outlet, I feel that I see the whole world trying to get in the place of a young musician or something like when you were get you guys were getting feedback about your deep personal vulnerabilities when you <laughs> yeah. were young about your creative stuff just from putting it out there and that was way before being online was horrifically toxic like it is today it was just yeah. comments on ap.net or something or wh- whatever it yeah, was yeah. but That's what was that experience that you were having um both of you guys like do you think you took the online criticism for instance differently than the guitar players did because it's your songs and your writing and and what was that what was the online criticism thing what was that like that you were des- describing in, well, in for, specific well, I'll say for me one of the problems was and I've said this before we like I mean I know there were some message boards and stuff like that but right during our career is when like the internet blew up and people could really shit on you and, and and no one had really seen it that much. You know, you'd see a yeah, little bit here and there. You never saw that but, coming. But I you mean, just thought you had fans. Our, our album came. <laughs> our album came out, and you worked on it hard. And you thought, man, I poured myself into it, and now some person who doesn't even have a real name is some weird X two three Jenkins 
just said I was the shittiest person ever to write a song. And and so, especially with our third record, it got shit on a lot. I spent about two weeks writing every motherfucker back. Like I just said, the biggest waste of my life didn't mean anything. There is no learning. I'm not going to win them over. All I'm going to do is prove, prove them right in a way. But it was so hard to do that because I did, I was like, I mean, we, we did all this. Like it, it's not, I mean, I feel like I, I guess I thought people thought, well, he's successful. He should be able to handle it. Or man, they must have money. They're on a record label and they're touring the world and look all this stuff. But I was, I mean, I, I just was trying to understand why people could hate something so much or, or seemingly, and it was always, it was a minority. I didn't realize that majority of people, fans like your music. There's a small minority group online that just wanted to be mean, but it just, it just hurt. Like I was like, fuck you. I mean, what, what are you talking about? You, you weren't there when we were writing these songs and it is about parts of my life or whatever. I don't know if, if it was similar for you, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I felt like a deep personal sort of rather than, like I said, rather than just being like, hey, man, like, whatever, like, who are like, I don't even know who you are. I don't care what you think. It was like, oh, no, like, this is devastating <laughs> oh, <God>. to me. <laughs> um, and it's almost it, it, the impersonal nature of it, I think, is also what can be super triggering. Whereas like when somebody tells you to your face, you know, like, you know, this sucks. You can like sort of. I don't know, have like an experience about it when it's online. There's no experience. You're just like in this internalized sort of mm, like unprocessed. Yeah. There's no, yeah. You yeah, can't even yeah. process that somebody told you you sucked and you were like, no, uh, fuck yeah, you. that's a really good way to put it. If you thought about like a computer, like there's all, there's a yeah. giant long queue of unprocessed yeah. complaints, just what, mm-hmm. that you've never, you're never going to be able to deal with them. And you know that yeah. that file exists yeah. unprocessed. But if you, somebody yeah. tells you something, you work through that thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, we're, we're made to have, experiences like that were not really made to like digest information from Mm -hmm. like anonymous strangers and then now too it's so much worse because it's sort of like there's people that like they'll you know pick at you just to get a response because that's what they want and then it's just like it's weird it's 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 it's, so i've had to really like learn just to I don't know. I don't Do you think know. it I don't prepared you for now better? Like y'all going, us going through yeah. that yeah, yeah, yeah. early yeah. is an inoculation. I mean, first of all, people have gotten a lot better at being horrifically mean. <laughs> yeah. Like people are much better at shitting on people and hurting them now. They're getting, in fact, they're getting quite yeah. organized about it and trained. Yeah. And these people, <laughs> right. people on social media now are really, I mean, we are in a, the, the whole scene that we were part of that I just, find is fascinating about it being that it was about vulnerability and emo yeah. and putting yourself out there so you know when you really start doing that and the people are getting meaner and meaner and there's more and more pressure to know the whole person yeah. and the whole person behind yeah. the twitter profile and what they really think or what they meant that they didn't say and all that's fair game for criticizing now it seems like you guys were earlier canaries in the coal mine yeah yeah i mean i, I see some of my friends who have experiences with stuff online now and I'm like, ah, oh, you guys just like you you gotta just stop. Like I can't like <laughs> right. like just just normal like um you know, normal people that are like, dude, somebody came on my I posted this thing about Black Lives Matter and there's this part I'm like, you, you just gotta like you can't you can't right. respond. Like you you cannot respond. Like there is no reason to respond. And uh which is so opposite of what being a human is, which is like sort of like right. 
to respond to like communication is the I don't know it's like hardwired into you you know for the most part so I don't know it's um I I'd say yeah it took me a long time I mean in the beginning like it was really devastating I remember like even calling up I remember calling that guy Jason Tate mm-hmm. who ran absolute punk. absolute punk yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. from England <laughs> <laughs> at at like I we were playing uh a university over there you know like one of the like unis or whatever and we went into the li- I went into the library <clears throat> to use the phone to call him to tell him I was going to beat him up but i knew where he lived and i was gonna when we were on tour in portland i was gonna beat him up and i don't i really have no concept as to what he even did other than probably just didn't like the band and probably said something that we were like lame or whatever and uh but yeah because it was weird because when I, you know, coming from like more of like a punk hardcore scene, like if you said something bad about someone, like you would get beat up. So it was like really <laughs> weird to transition to this whole thing where like, okay, well, if you were talking shit about somebody in the local music scene, like they're going to know and, and they're going to be gonna beat you up (laughs) like you can't do that and uh to transition into this larger music scene that was driven more like by online where you don't know people it was like what are we gonna do we're gonna you know like i remember this one kid you know came to one of our shows with like baseball bats and like four or five friends well so i was just like this is like i guess what happens like we didn't like this guy he didn't like us so he showed up with his friends with baseball bats so all right, well, I'm going to call Jason Tate and tell him I'm going to go to his house. But, uh, you know, so I had this very, like, confrontational attitude of, like, well, this is, you know, where I come from. You know, that sounds stupid. But that's kind of, like, just where we, we – what was weird is you would go – I, you know, went very quickly from, like, you were playing in people's basements and, like, VFW halls to, like, oh, we're on tour and we're, like, traveling around the world or whatever. And then the internet's, like, a thing because – it happened all within like a year, like a literal year of like starting as a band, the internet sort of going from zero to 60 in 2002, 2003 by two years into the band, MySpace was like a whole thing. So it was like, yeah, it was just, it, there was no time to get used to it or anything. It was just like all trial by fire, you know? And, um, and your whole catalog's online at that point then. You know what I mean? Like, or people can get, everybody can hear everything you're doing at any moment of the day. It used to be, you know, you would save up your money and, you know, I was in college or whatever. I'd save my money and go buy one record, you know, and then I'd listen to that record only. And I had no access to ever talk to the band about what I felt about their record. You'd have to buy and, it to find and, out. Know, yeah. That you didn't like it. But yeah, but online, yeah. you're just like, I think I fucking hate that guy. Let me listen to 10 seconds and come up with an insult. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't think it's gotten any better, but I do think people have sort of just like, it also, too, like you're supposed to be the bigger person, which is also always like super hard. Like you're, you know, you're supposed to be like immediately just a better person i don't know why but 
people yeah. assume that because you're successful or whatever, you're that's just an envy thing though, right? It's just, well, I, I expect I more of somebody that has more than me. So I don't let them off yeah. for shit. Yeah, because like, I just saw a dude from Motionless and White. He posted something about like how he was having a really tough time mentally. And I think a lot of the messages he, he had to post another thing. I think a lot of the messages he got were like, What do you mean, poor man? baby? Like, you're, like, <laughs> you're like, Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, dude, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Like, you think just because he's in a successful band that like he can't be fucking miserable? That's why that's like Well, that's the worst that, message of all is you can be miserable, but keep it to yourself. Right. Bottle yeah, it up. So, Don't yeah. say so anything. That, that's like, and and the other thing is now I think everybody's an expert about everything now. So that's that's now I don't think everyone's so mean now. I think everybody has everybody's opinions are so developed and backed up with just information that they deem correct even though we're you know we're pulling all our information from places that are probably faulty sources on both sides or any any opinion you want to have um you you can find contextual evidence to back it up so and that, i mean that's about anything like like dude if you if you look up like i do all the time i'm looking up 500 series gear is 500 series gear as good as full-size 19 inch rack gear mm -hmm. there is literal like i mean you 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 thousands of entries on gear slots about right and wrong mm -hmm. and, and there's back there's information to back it up it's like so it's it's all subjective all opinion so this is what the internet is it's just a convergence of you know everybody's personal opinion and now what's upsetting is it's all backed up with quote-unquote facts and then there's no real truth and i think that that's what we're finding is like super super difficult you know it's like 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 if you know someone from a band comes out and talks about their mental health you have all these people that are like well you shouldn't feel this way because and now it's not just an opinion it's like i have facts or well you know what i don't know and it's like um that's super detrimental because if you're trying to you know have an open conversation about things it's i don't even know if that's really i don't use I don't look at online as anything more than a way to promote what I do. So what's the difference in the online you and the real you? Is there a difference or the same thing or no? Is it, I mean, what does that, well, what does yeah, that I mean? It's limited, limited, like access, you know, I'm not going to get on there and like have fully fleshed out conversations with people like people, you know, I'm super opinionated and I'll put up my opinions online, but I don't use online to have the, like, this is what I learned from one of my, like, therapist teachers because i was going through a bunch when i came out in like 2015 where i put it online and people were like dude we don't need to hear about this and i'm like writing people back like fuck you like how do you you know and i would just drive myself crazy because i'm like dealing with actual like hate and aggressive people and trying to like defend myself because it feels like not just creatively but that there's just, there's, there's something very wrong with this like it's not just an opinion about my art or whatever it's like personal opinion that is wrong um but i just use online as like if i was like a teacher in the front of a class and i'm here i'm gonna put this on the blackboard and you guys talk amongst yourselves i'm not gonna entertain um discussion about what i feel and what i believe on if you if you somehow want to talk to me in person about that 
I love to talk in person or on a podcast or whatever, but I'm not going to like battle people back and forth about opinion in the comments. Like somebody i made, I was like, I was making fun of like a Southern accent yesterday <laughs> being like, I don't want to wear, don't, I'm not fucking wearing a mask, man. I'm America. And some guy's like, Hey man, so let you know, like, who do you think you are? Like, you know, the, you know, you're, you're making fun of people. I'm like, dude, I didn't, you know, I responded. I was like, laugh out loud. Like, dude, I'm not going to get, I'm a good person. I don't, I'm not, I'm joking around of what is going on in America. It's not in any way, shape or form meant to make people. And if it does, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to have a whole discussion about it online. That so that's what I mean. Like yeah, the back and forth is the real uh, sinister thing. I think you yeah, really I think, I, feel that you owe right. everybody something. It's like it feels it's, like you're speaking to the world, not just a person. Way. You're speaking yeah. to the world, and now you're on yeah. your platform, and you know I, I'm going to rebuke what you said. But maybe it's and wrong it, to speak. Like I mean, that's what I'm saying. If I'm going to be way open minded, is it just? a bad asymmetry to have a public persona period. I don't, I mean, I'm trying to talk myself out of that fact. Like, yeah, no, well, I mean, what am I, I the powerful I, guy that goes I and announces to. stuff and I won't yeah. give the peasants my time. Like that's how they must feel, but that doesn't yeah, make sense to but, me because I have a thousand yeah. inboxes and messages and everybody has an opinion. So what yeah. should I just do? Nothing seems smarter at this point. Yeah. I mean, that's how I do it. It's just like, I, but can't that's not what anybody really. wants. <laughs> no, but I don't know, but everybody wants, you know, I think I'm doing a lot already, like, by, I don't really want to have Instagram, and I don't really want to have Twitter, and my life would be exceptionally easier if I didn't have to always feel like I kind of had to create content to, like, let people know that I exist. Um, But I do, because that's part of my job, and that's the reality of, like, how to be a successful any creative person you have to exist online and not only do you have to exist but i have to show you who i am because not only are you not just buying our music you're buying me right that's a crazy boundary that we've all crossed though and (laughs) that's what i'm saying i understand that boundary to be way more important than i thought when i was younger and I totally. actually sit here from this point of view and go, wait a minute, what bargain have I made by putting myself out there for some kind of gain that I, you know, like yeah. I can say it's my job, but I chose it. And maybe I chose it out of some fucked up need, like you were talking about, <laughs> to, for validation. And yeah. then here I am, there's some downsides to it. And I'm trying to say, wait, maybe this isn't great. Meanwhile, every other person on the world says, time to get my personal brand off the ground, you know? Like yeah, that's where yeah, everybody, everybody, I was yeah, like, wait a minute, yeah. I'm not sure you should. To think about it for a second before you get out there, because that's you're right. Well, they're yeah. going to buy my uh, mailbox, custom mailboxes I make on Etsy, but they're really buying my personality. They know yeah. that, and it's true. It's fucking true. So your product might just be your personality, and then you yeah, sell I mean, stuff to monetize it. That yeah, might I mean, that, be what we're talking yeah. about here. If so, I mean, this yeah. I don't know what to do. But I'm at work right oh, yeah. now. This is it. Yeah. I don't know what else. Well, to no, do. I mean, I would say I would say that you know, senses fail. I mean. Yeah, I'm selling me. I'm selling my personality. I mean, it's it's beyond just oh that this is a style of music that people like in the band and my voice and this whatever. It's no, it's I'm selling my yeah soul basically. Yes, yeah, deal with the devil to some degree. I have a limit because I put so much out there. I put so much all into right. my music. I put so much on Instagram, and you know, I do all this and I make myself available and I make I'm very open about things and you know I'm constantly being creative and. You know, 
having a voice and and you know <laughs> calling people out and putting myself in positions where I probably aren't good for my career because I believe in them. Um, that I'm not. I'm. I'm also. I'm going to put a boundary. I'm not going to like. Mm-hmm. You know. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do like the banter back and forth. And I don't respond to people on Instagram. Like people, um, for the most part, you know, uh, direct message me. I don't respond because like I just don't have time for it, and I can't get into one-on-one conversations about my life because that's not. For me, that's my boundary. I'm, yeah. you know. I think that's one of the hardest things, the boundaries thing, because, like, for example, when you start a band, you take any show you can and get your faith yeah. self in front of any place you can. You didn't, would never turn down a show. It doesn't matter. Drive through the night, anything. And then, you know, fast forward 10 years down the line, you're like, oh, it just feels exhausting that I You've can't, trained yourself I can't create everything. a boundary. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, you feel real bad. Toby, you're not very good about that. You, I feel terrible to- at it. I, I mean, respond to a lot of people because I feel like I need to, and they and it means something to them, and I know it does. I've been, I've gotten better, but I tried. I, you know, I, I'm like, well, if I respond to one person, then I got to respond to everybody. Why would I pick and choose, or why don't I do this one, or whatever? You know, I avoid some stuff, and then I, I'm getting better at boundaries. But people don't respect boundaries either. They feel offended by them why wouldn't you respond to me I, I, you're my favorite band i named my kid after you or uh you know i got your tattoo of your lyrics and why wouldn't you respond to me you jerk or something and i understand that because it means so much to them but they they are talking about like buddy from census fail not buddy they don't you know what i mean yeah right. exactly that's why i just keep it to buddy from census fail like yeah. i don't think that there's much difference between me and buddy from census fail but if you know me there's going to be no boundary. Whereas with census fail, it's like, you know, there's a boundary, which, you know, and which the boundary at this point, I mean, is massive compared to like what it used to be. It was like, you know, we do all these meet and greets and all these, you know, I mean, we, we are pretty super accessible, you know, to a lot of people. Um, And like I said, I'm constantly putting content about like what I'm doing in my family and my daughter online. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm putting a lot out there. So, I feel like I don't necessarily, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I, once I filled the void in myself, I stopped really worrying about other people's opinion of me. That sounds and, healthy. Uh, yeah. Let's talk yeah, about I mean, like, that. How was that void filling <laughs> thing? How's How does that work? How'd you do that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, the hardest thing about the void is that you had to, believe it right that you could feel it right you had to see it acknowledge it first yeah. right you have to go you have to be in the void if see the void feel it uh and then you have to sort of like accept it how did is, you come to see that void and accept that it was there what uh, did you have a rock bottom or circumstances well, or a gradual I, I mean it's been progress it's it's always been gradual i've always known it's there it's always felt there's um uh in unfillable thing and then once i sort of got more into i went and did this thing called kundalini yoga um it's a form of yoga yeah. where yeah it's uh it was really messed me up i mean like <laughs> i went to a weird place i i i pretty much what happens like i understand it scientifically of what i would you're limiting oxygen to your brain which puts you in sort of like an induced trance-like state um so like you're high in a way, like you're you're on 
you're tripping. So, but I, I ended up doing this and like, I ended up there and I had like this out of body experience where I'm like, kind of like floating out of my body in space <laughs> and I was just crying. Um, the entire time. And it was just like, once I came back in, I felt this like real um, physical change of like uh, compassion for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt this at different points in my life, but it's like this real sense of like this, like, I don't really know this, like connection to things larger than yourself. Mm-hmm. And the, the response is compassion in like a way that you've never really felt it before. It's like remove the barrier of your ego and you just feel like a sense of compassion for the, the world and, and like the, the struggle that we're all in. And then a real sense of like, this is okay. Like what happens after this body is we're fine. Like, and then not even in like a spiritual sense, but in a real like knowing sense. And, and what you know, what you're coming in touch with is this, this the void of non-existence, which in turn it's, it's this idea of death um, is coupled with abandonment at a young age. So I've coupled this idea of abandonment with this sort of like death, this sort of like inability to have a functioning ego, if you will. Mm -hmm. So when I've come in contact with this egoless state, uh, and it sounds all woo woo, whatever, but it's, it's really like actual, like a, if you get into like somatic experiencing and actual like trauma recovery, this is the work. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these spiritual, more esoteric uh, traditions will put you in this place, like just ripping off the Band-Aid. If you work through this more with a therapist, you won't just sort of like dive into the deep end. But I just kind of didn't. I mean, I wasn't even looking for this. I was just going and doing yoga. And then one day they're like, yeah, we're doing uh <laughs> Kundalini yoga today. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. I don't know what that is. And then so I had this experience happened. And when which then like led me down the path to get super into like meditation and Buddhism, try to like explain uh what I had experienced. And so that sort of going and becoming more mindfully aware of who my actions and how my actions arise and how I choose to do the things I do and why the things happen to me the way they do, um, not by fate, but by um, what I, how, like becoming very aware of the thoughts in my mind and how the thoughts turn into action. So Mm -hmm. once I started down that road, I started to then go dig deeper into like, well, why, why do I respond to everybody online? Why am I drinking? Why, um, why does it feel meaningless? Why do I struggle with all these things? So then you start to like examine those things and you start to then fill, you know, work backwards to go, okay, so you start to have a sense of freedom when you start knowing why, because then you can change the action, which then indeterminately changes the outcome down the road. Mm-hmm. So you start to, you know, slowly fill the hole that you've sort of see. You know, it doesn't happen overnight, but, you know, over the course of, I think, six years, I've really fully been working on it. And, you know, but then also, like, I take medication, too, because at the beginning of this pandemic, I was like, yo, I can't handle this. Like, I got to this is going to be this is like too rich for my blood. Yeah, I can take a lot. I've done a lot. I've done. But that was also like a thing. I've always been anti-medication because I was like. 
egotistical about like, well, I'm going to do it or I don't need to help or any of this stuff. And now this time, because I've done so much work, I was like, yo, I need the help. And like, honestly, like it's a pandemic that hasn't happened in hundreds of years. Like this, this is totally appropriate and okay. Like if I need the help and, um, it's totally been helpful. So, so I, I use lots of different mechanisms, you know, to fill the void and wellness, like being healthy, wellness, eating, yeah. not drinking, not doing drugs, what I consume, uh, media wise, like, yeah. you know, what do I spend my time doing? Like, wh- you know, who do I surround myself with? I mean, these are all the things that go into, uh, you know, filling the void. Like I don't hang out with narcissistic people who do drugs and live, you know, um, yeah. bad lives. But the key on all that is to get to that first place of insight to know that there's more to dig from. And you got that from yeah. the, from the yoga, which is interesting. It's yeah. really obviously parallels almost all what spiritual experiences. I mean, yoga is mm-hmm. an exercise thing. Okay. So oxygen yeah, yeah. blood thing, but it sounds very much like psychedelic experiences described yeah, totally. the same way. And to be honest, yeah. the Christian conversion experience is, or Similar. even, uh, I really see the Christian conversion experience has been essentially the same, but throughout the life of, of a lot of people who are Christians, they talk about spiritual mountaintops. They'll say they've had yeah. this, you know, there's this time when you knew God was real, you knew something was totally that, and then you lost it and you forgot it. And then you've had another glimpse and, yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. that kind of thing it, to be able to be reflective. You said you were out of your body, looking back down on it. it if you're having any kind of religious experience like that, you Obviously, no, it's the time of lowest possible ego. That, the, yeah, the time absolutely. when the mountaintop and God is so beautiful, or whatever's speaking to you, or you obviously it's the time with the lowest ego when you can look at yourself and go, Oh, what a mess that is, you know? Yeah, and then you yeah, can yeah, start definitely. from there and then investigate that further. But it's obviously just something that humans are capable of, but you get so wrapped up in your own narrative that, mm-hmm. that you yeah. can't, but that yoga just broke you out of it. That, that, that. I don't even know that yoga. What is it that does that? You you do low. What is that compared to other? It's just. Yoga? I mean, I don't really even do it. I never did it again. It was, it was too much. It was like too much. But what is? But, I don't, I'm not familiar with that it's practice. Just a form of yoga. It's Kundalini. It's it's a it's a breathing yoga. There's some other aspects to it, but I mean, um, what it 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 does is, I mean, you do these weird breathing things where you're like for like 15, 20 minutes, and then you know you've like oxygenated your blood yeah. so much that I it's think over kind of oxygen this, like yeah, yeah you're yeah. kind of in this trance state what it's supposed to do is awaken your um chakras and it's 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 um it, i mean it works you know for some people yeah. i think for people who maybe like had don't have an experience like i did or a trauma backwards so one thing that i've realized is that like having trauma uh and this has been proven for people that study it, you kind of are able to something, I don't know the exact reason why, but are able to sort of like experience esoteric states in a way that maybe somebody who is untraumatized um, can't. Maybe because like, you, like you say, your dissociation is a strategy for dealing with trauma yes. though, right? So yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So because there's like this, innate ability to like have sort of like dissociative episodes uh they're not fun they're terrible i I hate them but because that they are like a known ability of the body because somebody who's never had a dissociative state either 
uh, you know, because of drugs or not because of drugs, they won't even, you can't, you can't explain that to them and they right. don't know what it is. So the body doesn't know it's possible. But if your body knows it's possible, then when you kind of enter into these weird sort of spiritual practices, your body just does it and <laughs> it can be super jarring and, and like really tough. That's why meditation to, uh, specifically Vipassana meditation. I mean, I did a lot of it. It was really, um, it can be super brutal. It can be really hard on people who have this type of like trauma history. Uh, it can be super beneficial, but again, like, um, you know, spiritual practice when you have a lot of baggage is a double-edged sword. It can be like super helpful. Can, I mean, you, 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 you have like a leg up on people because like I said, you have sort of ability to maybe see these issues in a way that what, well, you know, if you look at Buddhism, even if you look at Christianity, um, a lot of what they're trying to do is to get people to see the way in which they are in a reality mm -hmm. and in, in, you know, it, and also to sort of like guide behavior as these behaviors lead to positive outcomes for you and your loved ones and all, you know, blah, blah, blah. Sort of like these guidelines for how to live our lives are what will make us happy and, you know, have a endless freedom. Yeah. I, th I think where, uh, so I grew up Christian, my grandfather's a pastor and all that stuff, but I think where Christianity gets it wrong, and one of the things that is so attractive about Buddhism is I, I like, it feels like every time I talk to friends who are Buddhist or, uh, it feels like more ownership of, and less fear where my, my faith was brought up. Like you were saying earlier, Matt, like, uh, you have this experience with God and you're changed forever, but it feels like Christianity screwed it up because it's like, God changed me and now I'm done till I die and go to heaven. Uh, almost in a way, like I, I like the idea. What you're saying is like you just, buddy, just a few minutes ago, you're like it's been six years, and it seems like it'll be another six and another six after that. Another, like you are on a journey now of really, like you said, not it's not only just filling the void. It's that you know, loving yourself, feeling your worth. Uh, I'm sure I, I was going to ask you too. Like, is it? Did you experience? Was there a time that you like needed to forgive? Like you, you know, you had some trauma in your childhood and stuff like that. Yeah, one of the big practices doesn't get talked about in Buddhism a lot because Buddhism, just like every other religion, um, has been sort of hijacked by all, you know, I, I, can, I consider myself um, a post-Buddhist. Really? I like it. I love <laughs> it. Awesome. I'm, uh, we're well, post-Christian. Yeah, we're so post-Christian over here. So there you go. I don't, I, don't, I don't really ascribe to like the Western Buddhist practice that's really happening in America right now. I'm a post Buddhist, so which is doesn't nice. even exist. Yeah, uh, but but I will say there there is practice, loving kindness practice, which is a part of of uh, vipassana meditation. Um, it's considered the second wing. There's two wings. There's the sort of the the actual vipassana practice, which is the mindfulness, the classic sort of any mindfulness you hear is pretty much taken from vipassana practice. It's the focus of like really drilling down into the way that the mind works and to seeing the way in which the mind creates everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other practice that, that they don't talk about, which people who actually do a lot of it 
you have to do it. You, you have to, because when you are become so mindful, you start to like have these massive amounts of compassion and emotion. And like, uh, you have to fix these broken synapses in the brain, literally where it's like, I, you, you will sit and go try to give yourself, uh, forgiveness. And you, 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 you encounter this physical apprehension to be able to do that so it's like really actually creating like you're actually having these mantra practices where you're like forgiving yourself and you're supposed to forgive yourself you're supposed to give forgive uh, a loved one you're supposed to forgive um uh uh, like a, a stranger, which is really interesting practice to like think of a stranger that you see in your life. Like it could be like a cashier at a gas station, someone you see all the time, but to give, send them it's, it's prayer. I mean, it's, there's no yeah. difference between prayer and meditation. It's just, um, it's just the way in which it's presented in Christianity is, uh, it's just, it's just, it's just not presented as meditation, but it's what this practice is, is pretty much praying for stranger, picking a stranger, then picking someone that you, you have been wronged by and then send, and then the last fifth one is, uh, praying for, you know, or sending, uh, loving kindness and forgiveness out to everyone. So it's like a prayer practice. It's, it, it's, it's, it's so similar. It's like, so there you have these prayer beads. I don't have them with me, but they're just like the rosary and you count. It, it's like, there's the similarities between Christianity and Buddhism yeah. are, are very, very, very similar. I think the, uh, the emphasis is just on the way it was interpreted. Um, I mean, for me, truly, I don't believe in hell. I believe that uh, life can be hell. Mm-hmm. And, and that, to me, my focus, what I've decided is that I don't know what the answer is. So I can only work towards making this life as meaningful and good as possible and hopefully what i do in this life you know dictates what happens after i mean or you know what whether there is an after if not i mean i'd be real bummed if there wasn't but again like i i think i've had these instances where i've seen the after and i don't mean heaven i just think that not being inside of a body doesn't mean that you don't exist. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, it it, it might make sense. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I, I think it really does make sense. But the weird, th- it's just there's this weird thing that's happening. It's not. I don't guess it's weird. Maybe it's just all progress in some sense. But you said that about you don't believe in hell. Christianity is in itself undergoing some change, or the or the adherence to it, or whatever, in the sense that. I, People might be surprised to know how many Christians are are moving away from believing in hell, too, and how mm-hmm. much of their spiritual practice is coming to be more like a practice and less like a wish list. So there's yeah, yeah, distorted yeah. Okay. versions of Christianity that got screwed up and of Buddhism and everything, yeah. too. But if you get the right Zoom layer, you start to see them as way more similar, you know, and it's, then well, it yeah, sounds like you're getting all woo-woo or whatever. But, I mean, if you yeah. zoom out a little bit, it starts to really seem much more similar in that way. Well, I it's think early Christianity, like Gnosticism, mm-hmm. um, is a, I mean, like, you know, I mean, there's literally, you know, 
whether you, I mean, you know, there there are claims that there are just a lot. There's a lot missing from the Bible. Yes. Yeah, the Jewish uh, mysticism, and they yeah, took their whole yeah, thing yeah, from there. Yeah. You know, and I mean, yeah. it, it all comes from the same place. And if you can extract yeah. them and go back and point to the rosary beads or that or whatever, then you can start. Those are that. There's no. That's not on accident. Like right. it's no, not on it's accident not that there's these similar things. So there's no. obviously a deeper truth, but it's pretty yeah. it's pretty frightful to think you have the right ability to zoom out and to let go of the dogmas and tenets of things to see I mean, the bigger picture is very scary. It happens in Buddhism too. I mean, like, you know, I mean our my specific they call it Sangha was disbanded because the leader of the Sangha was um accused of, you know, using his position to sort of like Try to sleep with women, you know. Yeah. No, no, no gathering of humans where there's like a, a hierarchy of power is exempt from corruption. It doesn't yeah. really matter what the belief is. And then you know you can really start to like. I think one of the number one rules about religion is when you start to believe that your little section has it right is when you have to just like let go totally and that's what i had to do with buddhism because i was like dude this is right and i'm like what like what do you mean it's right i mean like how do i know like there's no proof other than does it make you a better person and are you making the world better by doing it and if you're not then uh, you're doing it wrong yeah well the I mean, are you, go are you holding on about are you holding more on to being right yeah, the holding what, you, what the yeah. whole thing was right. about in the first place. And, but yeah. also, too, I, I also empathize with people that are like their entirety of their internal way of viewing the world is solely based on the belief uh, of, of the Christian sort of – Jesus is a, is a legitimate, real human that is coming back. Like that is what they are living for. Um, and not earth. I, I think that, that that view of Christianity, I think, lends itself to uh, – people always wonder, like, well, well, how come it feels as though, you know, certain religions are more violent? They're not. I mean, like, so it, there's there's – you can point to Buddhists being extremely violent in uh, Myanmar. Like, they're the ones that are actually oppressing the Rohingya. So it's like, it's not necessarily like just Christians or just Muslims or just any. It's that what happens is people have this, when you start to view the afterlife as more important than the life, yeah. I feel like you really do a detriment to uh, to, to the, to the, the right. ability to, I don't know. It seems like a quest for certainty is usually behind that too like once you get into that point it's because you have to like to get that to get violent for instance you have to really know for right so then you become in the cycle of yeah. of of certain knowledge in areas that you probably can't and shouldn't be certain and yeah. you would have to be very certain about your afterlife in order to participate in let's say jihad right so yeah, the, yeah. Or, the, the need for certainty I, I, is really the scary part I actually even think that like people aren't so sure because if you really truly believed it, why would you feel the need to, you know, what motivates violence and like violence is motivated by a sense of defensiveness, you know, like if, if, you know, anybody that I truly have encountered spiritually that, that feels like they know the answer, one would never outwardly tell you that. I mean, 
you know, they'll tell you these dance around things because that's the whole mystery. The mystery is the mystery. I mean, that's, that's like the, what you start to learn is you really start to go down it even more. The mystery is unanswerable. And that is what is the mystery. And that is what you're stepping into the void. You're not really answering anything and there is no answer. And that's what the answer is. So it's like, um, there's no defensiveness. There's nothing to be defensive of, but if you don't necessarily 1000% really know it, like if you've never felt it, you're sort of defending this idea rather than uh, a true belief. You know what I mean? Like you're defending an idea. And that's what I think all, where all defensiveness comes from is the defense of some idea. If you truly, like I said, once I stopped having ideas about myself and stopped uh, responding from a certain narrative and just knowing I just stopped having to be defensive. <laughs> right. If that makes sense. Yeah, narrative is yeah, a key it totally word does. in that for sure, too. Yeah. And I mean, going all the way back to what you said earlier, I think you're right. Like, I mean, even like Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is here, and people kind of hijack that a little bit. But the idea of heaven or hell heaven or hell can be here. I mean, like you, you had a void in you, and if you didn't do the real work and the and the real journey, that void only gets bigger and worse and more scary, and you hate more or, get, or whoever we're talking about, not just you. But, you know, you, you really do have to do the work of that to try and, and create something that is, you know, like you said, have compassion, have love, have joy, all that stuff. Anyway, uh, buddy, man, we really appreciate your time, dude. This has been great, man. Uh, yeah, really thanks for sharing. Yeah, take care out there in California. I know y'all got a lot more people than where I live, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I hope everything goes good. Everybody can find you on social media, and you'll probably have content all the time. So Yeah, check me out. Thank you, guys. All right. Sweet, you guys dude. Have a good one. All right. See ya. Appreciate it. Bye. Okay, so post Buddhist, yep, he nailed it. Yep. Now over time, been, you've been saying post Christian for it, a year yeah. or two. Is it looking any stronger, or or still no? Still fuck off with that. What's everybody's attitude on it? I mean, come on. Oh, we're definitely post Christian. I think whatever. <laughs> Maybe nobody else is, but obviously I, I knew where I was. But for sure. Post-Christian yeah, well, still sounds right to me. I mean, I'm very comfortable. I don't even think about deconstruction anymore. I don't think about that anymore. I just, oh, no I'm way. post-Christian, and that's all. I mean, I don't care what that means. I don't even know. I mean, all I know is the containers and the language and the symbolism of Christianity is familiar to me, and I like it, and I live well, what's in this, and uh, I agree uh, with it, and it's all good, and I moved to a higher level. I don't care how stupid or pretentious it makes me sound than Sunday school church. So, okay, right. I'm going to call it post-Christian. Well, my question is, I was thinking about this today. I feel like every the like what I see Christianity is now, and let's just stick with the context of America where I live, uh, it doesn't seem like anything like Jesus. It doesn't seem – I know you can argue all day and your church is better and you, you know, you, you all, every – but from what I see on social media or Twitter or you – know, I guess that's social – on social media – in our news, in our media, in our it, it, words that people use, pastors use, sermons and stuff, it does not look much like Jesus. And I feel like I'm feeling more inclined to be like Jesus than I ever have been in my life. I'm doing real bad, but like the actual Jesus. Yeah. Like maybe really love your enemy. You know what I mean? Maybe really try to see if you can forgive somebody. Maybe really, you know, really maybe try to make a little bit of a difference and screw up, fuck up at it, not not do good. I'm not... I, I'm not at all for not screwing up. I, people are fallible, and I'm glad because we all we all are, and we, that's a ma- major way of learning and education to screw up things and then learn from it. 
but don't don't you think like it feels like you want to be more like Jesus now? Like the, it, it, not the American Jesus or whatever, but the like the real one. The what's well, the difference? Well, I mean, like even pe- people are talking about it all over social media, but like like accepting who he actually is, and and the difference would be it isn't uh, a system. It. It isn't uh, a, a thing that you follow because the people to your left and right are similar to you. It's the actual idea of, like I said, maybe you want to actually forgive your enemy. Maybe you actually don't, you do turn the other cheek. You know what I mean? Like maybe you actually do not worry as much about heaven because maybe heaven is here. And this whole thing we've been taught about fear and hell. It's a maturity Because you thing screw up. Way. Yeah. Think about it this it, way. If it's more childish, it would have more, re- you know, rewards and punishments involved. Yeah. And so like more candy to teach. Like, well, you have to forgive your enemy, but that's because then you get heaven. Versus right. the intrinsic value of the practice or the lifestyle or the mysticism of the thing. Like, right. I, I know that sounds woo-woo, but I don't think it is. I think it's, if you were trying, if you had a really good sense of what the right attitudes were. Right. And you wanted more and more people to be able to adhere to them, you would start to incentivize things and systematize it, and it would probably get really screwed up at some point. I don't know. It might work pretty good for a couple thousand years, or it might never have worked that good when you started to systematize it. I don't really know when and if it, any part of the movement goes totally off the rails, but I know from a maturity standpoint, being good so that you get presents from Santa or forgiving your enemies, or doing work on yourself, or praying so that you get something later is less mature than right. the deeper reason to do it. So that's all I'm saying. Let me see if I can give you an analogy. I feel like we've been doing sitcom Christianity, <laughs> and Big and we're moving and we're moving into uh, like the Sopranos Christian. I'm moving yeah. into the Sopranos or uh, a, a character uh, like a character that's actually true. And when I say sitcom camp- comedy. Christianity, what I mean by that is, think of Full House. It has to have a laugh track so you know it's funny. Right. And it has to do the sentimental music so you know this is the serious part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think where they, right. Where there's the learn. And wait, what, what do I need all that for? What, maybe I can look at Jesus in a real way and, and see something really authentic. You know what I mean? Like Breaking Bad is a really authentic character that you might even not like. Yeah. Or might could be bad or whatever. You know, I mean, there's all, the, all these, like, that, that is more true. I want the true thing. With all the good and all the bad, all the stuff, the, the true thing's the only thing that could even matter. The thing that is, is just a, a, an, uh, an illusion of what sp- could be. That so doesn't even seem real. You would have to be stronger mentally to move in a direction where you had less and less answers as you went, right? Versus yeah. the, the, the true strongest, best Christian is the one that knows everything. Like, right. think about that. Which one is the stronger? Which takes more fortitude? Right. Of a, as a person, and how would totally. you get such fortitude other than things like looking into the void, analyzing right. yourself, doing the hard work and seeing it, then you would then be a person who had the ability to right. have less answers. But it, the person, it can't be the strongest, best Christian is the one that knows all the right answers, right. which is, that's how you know it's a distortion. So I, I worked at two mega churches, and I think churches should be ashamed of themselves for doing the sitcom sentimental music thing during the the altar call or the the you know after the sermon when now it's time of reflection like that's exactly what happens at the end well, of yeah, full the house preachers are Danny Tanner then you didn't realize well, yeah. he's actually a dirty comic I, right i know or, yeah maybe <laughs> you so just think he's but happy danny tanner what a dork but, but the idea that the that you need the music to like that people i mean they, they, 
would abuse music and make it this thing that just everything. gets music, I, I personality, just, humor, everybody, like, yeah, uh, know. you know, authority, all of it. Anyway, we know how that all works. Let's That's get out of here. Stuff. Okay, join, join the, the BC, BC Club. Club. There you go. See y'all. But as you as we end the podcast, I just want to say, Matt, can you play your keyboard at all for me? You probably ain't got it set up, do you? I just uh. At, as Matt comes to the keys, that's what Pastor said. As the band comes to the keys, I just want to say, uh, you know, we had a great podcast today, and uh, Buddy said a lot of important things. But one of the most important things is uh, just knowing there's going to be a tomorrow, and the, and tomorrow involves the BC Club. So uh, make sure as the offering plate is being passed around on the internet that you would uh, join us, and uh, y'all be good. And uh, we will see you next Wednesday. I I would never hire you as my uh, piano player. <laughs> hey, this is Zach from the BC Club, and you've heard it before, and now it's time to hear it again. This month, it's free to join the club and see what you've been missing all this time that you've been listening. The BC Club has so many smaller communities within it that I find value. For example, we have a video game subgroup and yesterday i was playing xbox with a few club members including the club hottie tyler hoagland and if you don't know who that is well you have no one to blame but yourself because it's fucking free to join the club seriously i've made so many friends in the club uh we're planning a bc cabin meetup later this year and i hope to have some of these friends around for the rest of my life so join the club during this free month, and we promise not to haze you too badly. After all, this has got to be the worst example of a Christian community. You don't have